were after you find Timothy those places this morning finish it next week on uh, idea a message from God's word that's a for the new year we've been thinking about principles for change and growth to get bored when people and I know that but I have severe back pain and uh, it the worst thing I can time of year and I know for a fact a lot of our people are not well so let's pray for one another that's one of the purposes of the church is to pray to support one Where that uh, over fifty percent of people make New Year's resolutions. Now I'm not going to get into what the top four resolutions are. Number three is... ...have to do with health. To lose weight, exercise more, to quit smoking, and then to save money. Now, growth is all... ...satiable curiosity about learning things. I'm embarrassed by some of these things because you're going to say, what, what a geek. But I love the encyclopedias. In fact, uh, on my, I have a small bookshelf. We have a little family room in our house. And I have a small bookshelf in there where I keep the books, the reference books for my messages. And I do a lot of study down there. I just like to learn things. I don't do it to debate. I don't do it to impress.
I grow the sheep that I don't mean just, just spiritual. I can't give what I do not have. Have have one year's experience repeated. They've, they've never made changes. This will be a fresh year for you that God will do some new things for you, that God will stir your heart. And he will do something because he wants to do those things for you. So growth enables me to increase. And that motivates me. Frankly, that's what motivates me to grow. I want but But if anything, I have to temper that. You know, Paula will come down. So uh, Timothy, expect not the gift that is in thee. Everybody in here, you have a spiritual gift, and don't neglect it. Use it for God's glory, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on. Of the hands of the presbytery. Now that's when the when he was ordained, and uh, the gift of God was affirmed by these men. Uh, now, if you think, let me put it this way: if you think you have a gift, and nobody affirms it, you probably don't have the gift. You say, "Well, I have the gift of singing." Well, if people kind of do this, you probably don't have the gift of singing. <laughs> you know. And by the way, that's a talent, not a gift. I, one of the reasons that I knew that uh, that I was called to preach, not the only reason, but one of the reasons, is that when I taught the Bible, people would tell me, hey, that really helped me. That helped me. And I had some affirmation along the way. I wasn't looking for it. But after a while, I thought, well, maybe, maybe there's something to this. Now, notice again what Paul says. Look at verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. You need to think about this, Timothy. Give yourself to to your giftings, to your callings. Now watch this. Here's what I want you to see. That thy profiting may appear to all. Thy profiting. The word profit there means progress. It has the idea of a pioneer advance to go into territory that has never been conquered before. Here's what he's saying. Timothy, you need to profit. You need to grow in areas you've never grown before. I want to challenge you this morning, and God willing next week, to grow in areas you've never grown before. And and I don't want to just motivate you to do it. I want to give you some biblical language and, and, and some biblical parameters here, some foundations. That, that you would profit. We talk about financial profit. How about some, some growth profit? That you have something to offer people so that you could impact them. And you could help them. That thy profiting may appear to all. It will be evidentiary to people. This helped me. You helped me. When you talk, you help me. When you advise me, you help me. When you encourage me, your words help me. The way you say things. By the way, you say, preacher, how, how can I be better in my words? I'll, I'll tell you, read. Read. 
If you read, you get better with words. I'm not just talking about your vocabulary, but your expression. And when you read, you you learn how to use words. And notice what he says, take heed. Look at this, take heed unto yourself. Now, he's the pastor, but Paul says before you address the congregation, grow yourself, take heed unto yourself, and unto the doctrine, unto the word of God, continue in them. For in doing this, now watch this, thou shalt both save thyself, and that has to do with sanctification, not not the doctrine of salvation from sin uh, and going to heaven, but in, in growing and becoming more like Jesus. You will save yourself. Look at this. And them that hear thee. And them that hear thee. There's a whole lot in that passage. We spend a lot of time on it on Wednesday nights. Your growth will determine the breadth and the depth of your influence. Don't you want that? I'm talking to somebody that's in high school or junior high school or you're in college. I want to mark my words carefully and and, and I'm about to say something. I don't know how else to say it. Do you just want to be a dud? Don't you want to make a mark? I'm not talking about being famous. I don't mean that. Do you want to be remembered? And again, I'm not talking about being famous. Do you, do you, at the end of your life, do you want, don't you want to have mattered? God, God did not call you to exist. And the, and the way this happens, the way this happens, it's not by accident. It's extremely intentional. And that's a language there in 1 Timothy 4. Meditate. Give yourself wholly. Continue. You read it there. This is very intentional. I heard this years ago, and I never forgot it. If I will take care of the depth of my life, God will take care of the breadth of my ministry. Now, that's not just for preachers. If you will take care of the depth of your life, God will take care of the breadth of your life. If you will take care of the depth of your life, God will take care of the breadth of your ministry. I meet a lot of young preachers. They they want a big ministry, but they don't want a big life. They don't want a big heart. They don't want a big brain. They don't, want a, they don't want a big soul. And they're lazy mentally. And really, they have a big ego. They want to be famous. This is not only a matter of developing and cultivating your best and wanting to grow and, and give God your best of helping you to increase your impact, but it helps you prepare for the judgment seat of Christ. Let me tell you what I believe, and I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that one day at the judgment seat of Christ, at the judgment seat of Christ, you will not be judged for your sins. You will be judged for your works. And let me, let me put it another way. You will be judged for your potential. You will be judged for your works that you accomplished. But what I'm about to say, I, I, I don't know the ramifications of it. But I believe I will meet the person I could have been. This, this frightens me. I'm not going to be held account for my sins. Those were taken care of at the cross. I was meeting with someone recently, and they said, well, I know one day I'll stand, but they were Christian. And I'll, I'll, I'll see all my sins. No, you won't. Those were dealt with at Calvary. You know what I'll give an account for? What I could have been. In a strange way, and I don't know if this will really happen, but I wonder if I'll meet the Rick that could have been. Now, that's, that's for you too. But because of our, because of our, our worldliness and, and we're, we're so set in, in comfort, and we're lazy. That one day we're going to. It's that song in our song. But we, we'll sing it maybe next week. By and by when I look upon his face. Thorn shadow face. Beautiful face. By and by when I look on his face. I wish I had given him more. 
I wish I'd given him more. Because of all he did for me. So how does the Bible address change and growth? You know, if you go into the bookstores, they have a whole section on personal growth. And most of the books aren't aren't worth looking at. Uh, But the term personal growth is not a a bad word. It's the way God accomplishes his work in and through. I hope you're growing personally. If you're not, something's wrong. So sometimes I will use that word, but it's not the way that the world uses it to discover you know, their fulfillment. So let's look at how this is mentioned in the life of Jesus. Okay, Look at Luke chapter 2. I've showed you this before, but I want you to see this again. It's been a while. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. And I hope you take some notes and maybe mark in your Bible. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. Notice what the Bible says about Jesus. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, if you have a pen, you may want to underline or circle the word increased in verse 52. I'm sorry, verse 52. Talking too fast. Jesus increased. The word increase means to advance, to make progress, to go forward. Jesus was God, but he was human. And Jesus grew, not just physically, but socially and so forth. Jesus increased. Now, here's the idea. He was not in the same place as he was before. He progressed. It's not, it's not unchristian for you to be interested in growing. In fact, the Bible talks about this. I want to show you, I was thinking about this, uh, and I'm going to go through this hurriedly. This is not the message, but I want to briefly show you some scriptures. I'm just going to read them to you and maybe comment on a few of them, but not much. On on change and growth, and maybe you can write the references down, but on what the Bible says about types, and this is not exhaustive. The Bible is all about growth. And, and, and maybe God can do a new thing in your heart and, and let God speak to you. This really dealt with me this, this week. and So I prepared this. Number one, the Bible talks about growing in faith. Your faith can grow. Do you need, do you need a stronger faith? I do. The Bible talks about degrees of faith, weak faith, strong faith. Now, the disciples in Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, here's what they said. The apostles said unto the Lord, increase. You see the word there, increase. Increase our faith. That's a prayer. Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever prayed that prayer? It's a, good, it's a, it's a biblical prayer. Maybe you're going through something now. Just and you're mad at God or you're struggling and you can't find the the strength well, strength to go through it. God, God increased my faith. He's there. You need to grow in faith. The Bible talks about growing Christ-likeness. Did you know that you can become more like Jesus? Are you more like Jesus this year, at the end of this year, than you were at the beginning of the year? Do you talk more like him? Do you walk more like him? I don't mean physically, but spiritually. Do you respond to adversity more like him? Are you kinder? Are you patient? It's interesting when John the Baptist uh, In John chapter 3 and verse 30, he says about the Lord Jesus, He must increase. He's speaking of Jesus. But I must decrease. Notice the humility of John here, John the Baptist. Jesus must increase. I want Jesus to grow in my life, and I want to decrease. I want Christ to be preeminent. I want to be like Jesus. 
that would be a good area to grow in, wouldn't it? I, I want that to be true in my life. I want to be like Jesus. I want less of me and more of him. I, I sure get tired of me. I've been saved a long time. You'd think you'd get it right. We can grow in love. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. And the Lord make you increase. You see the word there? Increase and abound. That means overflowing. In love toward one another, toward all men, even lost people. Not like they're less than us, but I mean, sometimes we say, well, we love other Christians. We're to love everybody. Increase. These these can't be just goals, but they need to be ideas that, okay, Lord, I want to grow here. Here's one. The word of God grows as we share it. This is powerful. As you share the word of God, it grows. Now, I don't know if you can, and I think a lot of us can. If you can put the word of God up in your, in your cubicle at work somewhere. The word of God has power. Put it on your Facebook regularly and, and let people see it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. That's not an accident. Now, I think this has to do with witnessing. But you can't witness without the word. And the word, and you can't, you can't increase the word if you don't know the word. Spend time in it. And look at this. A great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. To the faith. This was so unusual that, that, that the... Jewish priests were coming to salvation. But it all started as the word of God increased. Another time, this happened in Acts chapter 12 and verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. It's just growing. You see this? It's not just the church is growing. The word of God is growing. It's a word growing in your heart. The growing in your family. Do you have it posted in your home? Where your children can see it. You need to have it in visual places. It will multiply. Acts chapter 19 and verse 30. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So mightily grew the word of God and it conquered. This is something that happened in Ephesus. Here And they begin to burn some of the wicked, demonic things they had. And the word of God began to grow and prevail. Oh, I hope this, this burns in your heart today. That there will be a, a holy dissatisfaction. That this will be a year of the word of God. Not just that you won't, maybe that you will read it through. But it, it will be something that you, it burns in you. I can't have enough of the word. Acts chapter 5, verse 28. The priest said unto Peter and John, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name that is in Jesus' name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, that is the doctrine of Jesus. You filled this town with his doctrine. Take those tracks, grab you some tracks, and when you go out to eat, Always leave a tip and, and a, a nice tip and then put it, leave a track there. I think I've told you the story about my mom always wrote checks. She never, she never paid her bills um, electronically. She always wrote checks. And she always put a track. She would write a check and put a track in. And she was in a doctor's office and she was checking out. And the lady was there, and she saw a track just like hers. And she looked, and she saw that, and she said, uh, I, know, I know what that is. 
it was a tract when she had sent to that place. And the lady said, I got that in a mail. Somebody sent that and I opened it up. And my mom said, I sent that. And she said, did you read it? And it gave her an opportunity to talk to that lady about the Lord Jesus Christ. She had filled Jerusalem with his doctrine. And then there's a growth of the church. You see, I think I think we want the re- we, we want the cake without the recipe. You, you don't get the cake without the recipe. It's easy to say, well, we want the church to grow. Well, are you doing these other things? It, uh, the church is you, and sometimes we're not willing to not just. Pay the price, but enjoy the price. These things are things we enjoy doing because this is the life of God in us. The Bible says in Acts 6, 7, again, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. You see that? The number multiplied greatly. You see that? Now, I want to tell you something. That wasn't their goal. They didn't get a group together and say, this is our goal. It was an organic byproduct because of the other things that I've been talking to you about. And as they begin to grow and the word of God grew in them and they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine, their church began to grow. We could grow in our personal knowledge of God and these other things fit within the same thing. Do you know God better this past year? Thing you did. I read several of A.W. Tozer's books this past year. I wanted to know the Lord better. And they were such a blessing to me. And some other books that helped me. I had a, a, I wanted to, to know God's heart better. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work. Increasing. Don't, don't miss the language. Don't miss that every word is inspired. Increasing in the knowledge of God. That's a growth word. Do you know God better today than you did six months ago? Than you did four years ago? Forty years ago? This is a privilege to know the king of the universe. We can grow in our personal knowledge of God. We can grow spiritually. And you do that by a daily, meaningful time alone with God. And again, this is organic. You don't say, my goal is to grow spiritually. But <clears throat> what happens is, is when you begin to just spend time with God, you become spiritually nourished. And, and other people begin to notice that you, you begin to change. Your countenance begins to change. Something is different about you. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Grow thereby. Thereby what? But the word. The word sincere means pure. The pure word. All you need is the word. Just, just the word of God. The pure words of God. Just sit and read the words. Just read the words. And then, this is the last one. There are many more. I, I, I wanted to do more than just this. This is powerful enough. You can grow in God's grace. You can have more grace. The Bible says in Second Peter 3.18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You can have more grace. Now, you know, you, you know how you have more grace. The Bible says, says in James 4, 6, it says, Humble yourselves. And as you humble yourself, God gives you grace. And we need, we need to be uh, carriers of the grace of God. Now, all lasting change, all lasting change comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not know him, you cannot have lasting change. Then, then it's all from your energy and it becomes a chore. Then, okay, I, I want to, what were those first four? Lose weight, exercise, quit smoking, and uh, I forget the last one now. What was it? Uh, uh, yeah, save money. 
Okay. Okay. Well, the first four health related. The last is is uh, stewardship. So stewardship of the body, stewardship of, of your finances. When I want to do those things for the glory of God, it takes on, on a whole new meaning. Then I, I, my motive is different, and my motivation comes into play. There's a, there's a great verse here. I want to show you. <clears throat> Pardon me. The Bible says in, in Jeremiah 13 and verse 33. Look at this. Jeremiah 13, 33. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? This is a rhetorical question. Well, no. You can't change a person's skin and you can't change an animal's skin. Then may you also do good that are accustomed to do evil. He's just using logic. You can't change someone externally and and you can't change internally. You can't change what you're accustomed to. You need the power of God to help you with these resolutions. And I, and I hope you I hope you'll have some. Growing people impact people. They impact people. Let me give you the first point. This has all been introductory, and I wanted to do more, but I'll just give you one one main point today and and here it is number one growth is god's plan for us growth is god's plan for us over and over and over again you've seen this word increase 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 and god wants me to increase he wants me to change now would you listen to this statement okay all All change is not improvement. Listen carefully. All improvement requires change, but all change is not improvement. Just because you change doesn't mean you've gotten better. But if you want to improve, you've got to change. And it requires discernment. All improvement requires change. But all change is not improvement. So you you can't just, you see, increase is good if it's increase of the right kind of the godly sort, as the word of God would say. So God is committed to make me like his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate. You say, well, what does that mean? He predestinated me to heaven and predestined people to hell. No, that's not what that means. He predestinated his people to be conformed to the image of his son. Predestination in the Bible has to do with Christians being conformed to the image of Christ. Now, that's going to happen one day in heaven. Now, at the rapture, it'll happen like that. Now, those that have died, their souls are already purified. And one day, their bodies will come out of the ground and be reunited with their souls. And, but, but right now, they already know the bliss of being perfect. And they already know what it means to be sinless. Oh boy, what, what a blessing. And, and to have perfect change. They're not increasing anymore. They've reached the apex. They'll never lose their temper anymore. They know perfect love. Their faith has become sight. Job, remember Job, how, how he had suffered? And his body was covered with boils. You ever had a boil? I had one. I was about 15 years old. That hurt really, really bad. And that thing, well, I'm, I'm not going to go into it, but I'm telling you, it was bad. And it hurt. His whole body was covered with boils. Satan attacked him and did that to him. He lost all his children. He lost all his possessions and his servants and, and his friends that were his servants. Lost all of his finances. He didn't know what he was going to do. 
And Job said in Job 14, verse 14, If a man die, shall he live again? And he answered his question, All the days of my appointed time will I wait. Look at this, till my change come. What's he saying? There's coming a time when my body will be changed perfectly like that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is changing you. God wants to change you. And God will put you in uncomfortable situations to chafe and to polish you to make you like Jesus. And the more you resist that, the more he will keep that polishing up. Because he, if you're saved, I remember my friend Sonny Holland, he preached here a number of times. And I heard him say as a teenager, he said, now, now there's two ways you can go to heaven. Well, that got my attention, you know. He said, there's two ways you can go to heaven. He said, you can go to heaven in the peace of God. Or you can go to heaven kicking and in chastening and in God spanking you. And I thought, oh, I get it now. It's not about whether you trust Jesus. There's only one way to heaven. But some of us enjoy his journey more than others. Because we've been, we've been rebelling and God's trying to polish us. You see, God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And until we get to heaven, he's going to polish us. In Philippians 3.21, Paul said, We look for the Savior. We're looking for Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Who shall, look at this, who shall change our vile body. He says the truth. Now, that doesn't do much for the self-esteem movement. But he tells the truth. I mean, your body gets older, it gets broken down. Those of you that are older, you know it's true. Now, in one place, it's a sacred body. But, buddy, it's, it's, it's a sinful body. That it may be fashioned like his glorious body. He's going to change your body and rid it of sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51, when the rapture comes, look at this. I show you a mystery. This is something they didn't know about in the Old Testament. I show you a mystery. What was it? We must not all sleep. He's talking about death. But we shall all be changed. Every Christian will be changed and made like Jesus fully. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a millisecond, at the last trump, For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We shall be changed. Now, that's future change, and we hope for it. But there's also a present change. I've alluded to it. Present change is growth that sometimes initially is unwelcomed. It's maybe when we lose our job. It's maybe when a loved one dies. It's maybe when you go through a trial. It's maybe when you have surgery. It's maybe when you get an illness. It's, it's maybe when you go through a financial adversity. It's fill in the blank. Whatever your area of discomfort is, whatever your area of pain is, God is trying to create growth in you. And, and the longer you resist it. I was listening to something Several years ago, uh, I was, and, and here's the thing. Listen, listen carefully. And God helped me because I, I was learning. I was growing. I wanted to grow. And God helped me. And he helped me grow, helped me change. <clears throat> and, and the speaker said this. You will never, listen carefully, you will never surrender until you accept your circumstances. Now, there is there is a... A reality and where you are not to accept. But there is a, there comes a place where you have to say, God, this is it. This is it. You know, Paul, Paul prayed three times for the thorn to be removed from his flesh. And then he stopped praying. 
And he said, Paul, I want you to be content with your life. And he said, I've given you this thorn because it's to help you to be humble so you would have more power. I'm very leery, in fact, angry with people that get up and say, oh, God hasn't healed you because you don't have enough faith. I believe God heals people. But they put these guilt trips on people and, and begin to say things. You need to be careful of who you listen to and who ministers to you. Because you can take parts of the Bible and verses and half verses and, and pull it and twist it. God, God will put you in an uncomfortable place to create growth in your life. And let me give you some verses. Romans eight twenty eight, one of my life verses. I love this verse. And we know, not that we see, not that we understand, but we know. I just know for a fact. I don't even agree with it sometimes, but I, I just say, God, I trust you. And we know that all things, everything works together for good. I know it. I don't see it. I don't like it. But I know it does because you're good. It works for good to them that love God. Well, that's me. To them who are the called according to his purpose, and that's me. So then everything that happens into my life comes to the good providence hand of God, and it's for my good and for his glory. And it's working together for my good. Now, here's what's interesting. All things work together. See those two words, work together? They're one word in the Greek language, and it's the word we get synergy from. They synergize. All of your adversity, all of your problems, all of your misadventures, could I even say this, all of your sins, everything that happens to you synergizes, and God uses that to work together for good, for your good and for his glory. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, my brethren, count it all joy. And the word count is a financial term. It's a faith term. It, 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 does, it means bank it. You're not enjoying it now, so bank it up. Count it all joy. When, not if, because you are going to fall into diverse. We get the word diverse. Diverse temptations, all sorts of trials. Knowing, not seeing, not understanding, but knowing this. That the trying of your faith, now look at this, worketh patience. It works endurance. There's no other recipe. The change in my life, if I want patience, if I want true character, then I'm going to have to trust God when I go through some hard times. Listen, men and women, this is the word of God. Some of you have been bucking God for years. And maybe this year you could say, God, I want you to change my attitude. I've been so harsh and negative and I've been cynical. And I want you to help me. I need to change. Good. Listen, growth and change is a part of God's plan. It's part of God's will. God wants to change me. He wants to change you. He wants to change our church. Now, most people, when they think about that, well, let's change the chairs and let's change the way we do music, and let's change this. I'm not saying some of those things are wrong, but all, all improvement requires change, but all change is not improvement. God wants to change me. He wants to change you. Let's work on those things. One other verse. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, in verse 3, we glory in tribulations also, knowing, not seeing, knowing, that tribulation worketh patience. Now, I have a hard time with this one. I'm going to be honest with you. Not with the second part. Knowing that tribulation, okay, I get that. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. I believe that. That's what Roman, uh, James 1, 2, 3, Romans 8, 20, it worked. You know the problem I have with glory in it. I told my buddy Harold Vaughn, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, I glory in my thorn. I said, Harold, I, I just haven't gotten there yet. I said, I still pray that God will remove my thorn. 
I said, I don't even know if, if it's a lack of faith or what, but I, I struggle with it. But I want my attitude to be right. God knows my heart. I don't complain around my family. I don't moan and groan and bring all my problems home. I'm not going to do that. God willing. But I want to get to the place where I can glory and give God the glory and, and see the riches of the dark times. There's, there's a wonderful scripture. God uses a metaphor to show how he treated the nation of Israel. I want you to see this. It's in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 11. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 11. As an eagle, so here's a comparison. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, now pay attention to this, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, that's a little eaglet, and then beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead them, that is the nation of Israel, and there was no strange God with him. We'll go back to verse 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth the broader wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. What does that mean? Eagle gives birth and they have a nest up there anyhow. It's a rough nest. You ever seen an eagle's nest? On the inside of that, I don't mean the top of it, but unless they've got a drone up there. On the inside of that, they, they get some straw, some grass, and even some feathers, I'm told. And they put those baby eaglets up there. <coughs> and that's where they're nourished and cared for and fed. The mother goes and gets the food and so forth. And it comes time for the the eaglet to leave the nest. I remember I preached a message. We I did a summer series of messages on uh, 12 sermons on whatever the church wanted me to preach on. I took a list, and one of them was uh, when your children leave home. And I took this particular message, this scripture, and preached from it on, on what to do when your children leave home. Talk about the empty home. And so it's time for that eaglet to go. It's strong, but watch this. The eaglet doesn't want to because it's comfortable. The mother's feeding it. It's got grass. It's got feathers. It's got straw. Now, underneath, it's got all of these uh, sharp barbs, and it's got all kinds of uh, rugged, uh, pointed uh, things that are going to fracture the skin. And then the mother, piece by piece, begins to pull out the straw and pulls out the grass. And the eaglet begins to feel the prick upon its little bottom and, and gets up on the edge with its feet. And then the mother begins to disassemble the nest. And there have been sightings of this, answers in Genesis uh, has a little article on this. And then would come up and, and nudge, nudge the eaglet off, knock it off. And I read where one about 150 feet would fall, 50 yards, and then come up with those mighty wings and come up and catch the baby and come up and put it up back in the nest. And sometimes leave it there. Remember, it's uncomfortable by now because all of the stuff's been taken out. And leave it there for a little bit. And then begin the procedure once again. And knock the eaglet out. And go up under. And pick him or her up and take him back. Can you imagine the terrified emotions of that baby eaglet? Why are you doing this? I thought you loved me. Why are you tearing the comfort of my nest up? Why are you taking apart what's familiar to me? 
I thought you cared for me. I thought that this was my place where I was going to be for a long time. And there may be someone that I'm speaking to today that God has just kind of ripped the familiar up. And your heart is broken. Or you're facing some new things. And it hasn't gone as planned. I want to tell you, he is a mighty eagle. And he will help you. But the, the will of God is about change. And God opens doors for you as you obey his will. Listen carefully. I'm almost finished. If you, if you will commit yourself to this year to just increasing and take that little list of eight things I gave you. And there are many more. You can do your own study of increasing. Be a man or woman or young person of increase. I want to increase. I don't want to be a dud. I don't want to just live a life of comfort. I don't want to just live for myself. I want to be increasing. I I, I want to read some stuff. I want to grow. I I want to input, invest in my life. I, I want to help some people. I want God to change my life. Now, there's going to be some discomfort. And maybe you're already there. But never fear. Never fear. He will always catch you. And you will. You will learn. You will learn how to fly. Because that's his promise. Would you pray with me? Your heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.